With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Lombardi Line presented by MGM on a Tuesday. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. We are here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And uh, Wes got another fun show, of course, on Tuesdays. We get the King of New York. That means we're going to have Will Hill join us here uh, later on this hour. Get his thoughts coming up around 1245 uh, Eastern time. Uh, but I did want to get your thoughts on the big NFL news as we begin the Lombardi Line today, which is it feels like everybody universally, at least in social media, See how much that's worth. Loves the Matt Ryan trade to Indianapolis if you were a Colts backer. By the way, a subsequent move here, the uh, Falcons then signed Marcus Mariota uh, to a two-year contract. So he's reunited with his uh, former coach there and Arthur Smith, who is now the head coach in the ATL. So let's get back to the Colts because I look at it and go, yeah, I feel like this is the best available landing spot for him. We've seen some of the futures markets change in regards to that that the Colts now look like a viable player, not only in the AFC South, but potentially in the postseason. What do you make of as, of as a for-the-shoe backer? Yeah, I think in terms of the division in the AFC South, it, I think it basically makes it kind of a coin flip, and that's what it was going to be anyway, assuming that the Colts found a replacement at quarterback for Carson Wentz, is it was going to be a coin flip in that division between Indy and Tennessee. We know Houston and Jacksonville still rebuilds, still massive mm-hmm. rebuilds, and I think the odds indicate that, even though you see the Jaguars at plus 550 because they have been big players in free agency. You now have an offensive coach and Doug Peterson to go with Trevor Lawrence. Well, I thought you meant a coach. Yeah. In Doug Peterson. Yes. Yeah, and and you're going to probably grab, you would guess, an offensive tackle at some point uh, very early on in this upcoming NFL draft. So that's why you see kind of the big disparity between Jacksonville and Houston. I still don't think Jacksonville really is a contender to win that division. But, I mean, it's still basically a coin flip. You've seen a little bit of drift on the Super Bowl odds down to 25-1 to from 30-1. to 14-1 to is 16-1, to and that's about what I expected. I You know, kind of a ripple. I did not expect a huge crash on this because you still have needs for Indianapolis. But I'll start with the quarterback situation with Matt Ryan. I think it is a good spot for him to land, as good a spot as any. And one thing I'll say about Matt Ryan, yeah, he's 37 years 
years old. But I don't – and he's on the back nine of his career. You always are when you're 37. But I don't think that this is like, okay, this is a Roethlisberger situation where you're obviously seeing him show his age and he's just kind of hanging on for dear life. I still think Matt Ryan's got good football left in him. And he's been about as steady as they come in 14 years in the league. With the exception of last year, he's always been over 4,000 yards uh, every season since 2011. He was just 32 yards short last year. Keep in mind, he was behind one of the worst offensive lines in football. He also didn't have Julio Jones, who went to Tennessee. He didn't have Calvin Ridley. So, look, this is a guy... The athleticism is not what Carson Wentz brought you, but he, he's, got, he's got a stronger arm. He has better ability to read defenses, and that's why I feel like this is kind of a safe spot, if you will, for the Colts. And this is also not a guy that's really been that injured throughout his career. Uh, he's been pretty steady, not a lot of long-term injuries for Matt Ryan, and that's what I think worried the Colts about Jimmy G. And that's why they were out on him. It's like, okay, the guy just had shoulder surgery. We had Carson Wentz who we recognize was never the same since his injury. Mm-hmm. So we needed somebody that was going to be like a steadying force. And as of right now, you know, this is a two-year rental. He's got two years left on his deal. They were able to take the contract and, you know, because they had the cap space to do it. Now that takes them down to, I believe, about $14 million or 14 to 16, somewhere in that range in terms of cap space. So, When you're looking at the Colts, this is a team that still has a wide variety of needs. They need a new left tackle. Eric Fisher not coming back. Uh, They couldn't agree on a deal. So do you go with like a Taron Armstead or a Dwayne Brown as like a short-term deal, maybe a one- or a two-year deal or a one-year deal with an option or something like that? But you need to fill that position. You need help at wide receiver. Like he's not going – to like an elite receiving core right now. Michael Pittman's a very good player, but he's now got to emerge. Are you confident with him as the number one guy? T.Y. Hilton, you know, I think T.Y. Hilton's kind of at the end of his career. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could always re-sign him, and that's probably the best option for T.Y., but, you know, everybody's saying, oh, he's going to be a really good decoy. Well, I guess decoy from what? It's (laughs) not like you have – a Justin Jefferson or, you know, some kind of Jamar Chase, some elite young receiver that's going to get double covered that you can decoy and use in that offense. You don't have that in Indianapolis. So they need receiver help. They need a tight end help. They did resign Mo Ali Cox, but Jack Doyle retired. So you need tight end. You're always looking for pass rushers, even though you did get Yannick and Gakwe in that trade for the Raiders from uh, for uh, Rocky Sin rather. So, Pass rushers are kind of like left-handed relief pitchers or second and third line defensemen in the NHL. You can never have enough of them. So you're looking for that. You're looking for help in the secondary. So, you know, this is something they had to do, but this is not a team that you could say, okay, they filled all their needs. They're going to have to have some of their guys that have been recruiting players on Twitter, like Darius Leonard, like Kenny Moore, both pro bowlers last year, that might have to restructure their deals a little bit where you can take your salary almost like as a signing bonus and do some kind of contract restructuring. So, you know, Colt's not out of the woods yet. I think it kind of at least – made them a playoff player. Now, is their ceiling 11-6? and six? That's what it seems like right now, but we'll see what they do with the rest of the roster. Whenever you say Mo Ali Cox, I have to say, by law, VCU legend mm-hmm. as my alma mater. Two, if Matt Ryan stays healthy, hopefully he does here in the offseason and into training camp, he will be the seventh new starting quarterback in seven seasons for the Indianapolis Colts. That 
is rather astounding. Now, Andrew Luck, of yeah. course, uh, he was uh, flip-flopping there with the injury in 2017, so the great Scott Tolzien got the start there. And then you look at Jacoby Brissett, don't turn your back in the Wolfpack, and then back-to-back NC State guys and Phillip Rivers. And then the Wentz situation last year, whatever that was, and then we assume that Matt Ryan will be the guy, obviously barring injury. But you look at that, and for a team that's looking for a quarterback, I wonder how long this will last. Because I don't know that people thought that Carson Wentz would be a one-and-done guy. Phillip Rivers, we kind of saw that, that maybe he'd be, you know, and he had a really good year. I mean, they, they made a good playoff run that year, could have beaten the Buffalo Bills, if you remember, in the first round of that 2020 season. I just wonder where they go now with Matt Ryan. Is this the way the Colts are going to go in perpetuity where you find these older veterans and hope for that one-year run? And look, it's worked in L.A. with Matthew Stafford last year. It worked in Tampa Bay two years ago. We have a new starting quarterback going to a new team, and you win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to Matt Ryan, but I wonder now if the blueprint is being set across the National Football League they go, give me that old veteran guy with a team that's got a decent defense, a good enough offense, and we got a chance. It's kind of been that the Colts' hand got forced a little bit with the Andrew Luck retirement, and that's what they've been doing is going with veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback. I think that they want to get a young developmental quarterback, but you do have two years here with the Matt Ryan. So there's urgency, but there's not urgency in terms of doing it in this draft because I don't think that there is an elite quarterback in this draft. Now, there are going to be some that are drafted in the first round because there always are because teams get desperate. But I don't think that you really – do you really want to waste like a first-rounder right now on Kenny Pickett and have him sit for two years? Mm. I mean, you know, I don't think that that's really what you want to do. But eventually they have to get a developmental quarterback that they believe – could be a starter, but you've seen it kind of around the league. I don't think they want to get into like a spot where they have like a Jordan Love where it's like, okay, we're going to have him here for a few years and, you know, he's never going to get any better because he's not going to play. So, you know, they're going to be set on Matt Ryan. Maybe they take a quarterback later in this draft just to have another body, kind of like they did with Sam Ellinger last year in the sixth round out of Texas. But, I think that that's what you're the Colts are pretty much set right now on Matt Ryan. I think initially Jim Irsay, when he made those tweets and and he made those tweets immediately after that Buffalo Kansas City game in the division round where I think that really changed the game for the league, especially in the AFC where it's like, okay, if we're going to be a real contender, we've got to have elite quarterback play like that. And I think he originally had targeted Russell Wilson, uh-huh. but there wasn't a way that they were going to make that work. So, you know, Matt Ryan, of these options that you're seeing here on the graphic, I think probably is the, is the best option. Look, he's a former MVP. He's been pretty darn consistent over his entire career. I don't think the Colts wanted to, you know, get down there where they were going with like a Mariota or maybe a Jameis Winston, who uh, now has officially re-signed with the Saints. Yep. I think the Saints were kind of, they were looking around and they were kicking the tires, but I think that that was like, okay, we're going to stick with the incumbent here. Something that I said to you before we actually came on the air this morning, and that is when I look at what the Colts did, when I obviously the the big, big change in the offseason was Russell Wilson going to Denver, right? And I think a lot of teams, at least in that division alone, in the AFC West, they didn't kowtow and go, you know what, our, our window is closed because now theirs is open. This is an arms race in the AFC. And I think to your point, the Colts said, if we can't get Russell Wilson, what's the next best available? And nobody's kowtowing and bowing down mm-hmm. to, say, the Bills or the Chiefs or the teams that we look at as, as the established forces in the AFC. This is going to be a slugfest. 
It's going to be a murderer's row coming out of the AFC. Now, the NFC, maybe that's why Tom Brady went back to Tampa Bay. It looks like it might be an easier route, if you will, when you look at yeah. some of those divisions, some of those teams. In the AFC, if the Colts are the worst playoff team potentially, I mean, that means somebody's not making it that made it a year ago. Cincinnati, I'm looking right at you. Right. I and mean, th- th- there's going to be some regression from some of these teams. I mean, Wes, this is, it never stays pat, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm impressed that Denver's making their push. The Raiders have joined the fight. The Colts are now in the mix. I mean, this is going to be as deep a conference as I can recall in, in many years. Yeah, and I think so. And I think what the Colts are seeing is like, hey, we got to win this division. You know, yes. we can't count on a wild card. Ooh. Look, the wild card was all set up for them last year, and we know what happened in Jacksonville mm-hmm. in Week 18. So when you've got likely multiple teams coming out of the AFC West, multiple teams perhaps coming out of the North, maybe both the Bills and the Patriots come out of of the uh, of the uh, AFC East. So you basically got to win this division if you want to get in the playoffs if you're Indianapolis and or Tennessee. Absolutely. When we come back, and now we are down to 16 that are still dancing in the NCAA tournament. We'll break down some games coming up on Thursday and Friday and get some early look-aheads. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 52 4700. Back alongside Wes Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN. And Wes, boy, you kind of exhale after the NCAA tournament over the weekend. And now we're down to the Sweet 16, which does tip off again on Thursday, of course. And as we sit here on Tuesday, we're getting closer, only 48 hours away. 
my brackets are still looking pretty good. I've got all four of my Final Four teams still in the mix. But the one that I really went out on the most, uh, the biggest ledge, will come into play on Thursday, and that is Arkansas taking on Gonzaga here. And, and I do want to get your thoughts on this one. We saw it open up around eight and a half here. I feel like it's been Gonzaga money coming in a little bit so far to start off the betting week. What do you make of this matchup here? Because this, to me, is a game where Note can say, I'm going to be the best guard on the floor, and mm-hmm. I really think he's he's got to be a dominant player for Arkansas to have a fighting chance. Well, both these teams do come off close shaves in the second round. Of course, uh, Gonzaga in that terrific game, one of the best games of the tournament, I think, Saturday night against Memphis. Gonzaga ends up holding on for the win. And, look, we talked about it, and, and, and I said I liked Memphis in that game, and Memphis was right there, mm-hmm. had a 12-point lead to start the second half. And then, you know, Gonzaga, I think when Memphis got in foul trouble, specifically when Jalen Duran got in foul trouble, Drew Changed Timmy. Yeah. Drew Timmy probably played in that five minutes like the best minutes of anybody in the NCAA tournament and ended up with 25 and 14 in that game. You know, all the talk is, to, is about Chet and, you know, his NBA prospects. But Drew Timmy, I think, really won them that game. So they survive in advance. And then New Mexico State and Arkansas uh, uh, was not exactly uh, uh, a Rembrandt, <laughs> if, if you will. Uh, not exactly a painting of the uh, in the Sistine Chapel, 53 to 48 Arkansas wins. Uh, just, just not, not, not the best game. No. New Mexico State point six seven points per possession. Arkansas not much better at point seven four. But Arkansas, you know, is not a team that really shoots the three very well anyway, and they've shot it even worse here in this tournament. That said. I kind of lean that way, even though Gonzaga is getting the early money. And I think they're probably getting the early money because a lot of the metrics guys, the Ken Palm has mm-hmm. it Gonzaga by 10 and it opened eight and a half. So it's like, okay, you know, betters, I think kind of make the mistake of doing that, always following that. So you're even seeing some nine and a halves, including yep. at bet MGM, this may go up to 10 because, and I can understand a little bit why Gonzaga is getting some of the action because look, Water finds its level, maybe, or a team got its scare in the previous round. So usually they come out focused. And I think there's a couple other games you can apply that logic to. I'm not so sure about this. And you could see in terms of ATS trends, uh, they have not been your friends if you're backing this team. Gonzaga 0-4-1, Arkansas 1-5. And And I want to get back to Gonzaga in terms of the draw that they got. Yeah, it was 1-16, versus but that Georgia State team was more like a 14 seed. And the Memphis uh, team that they played that was a number nine seed, they were more like a four or five seed. So it's like you look at this draw, and this has been the draw where the chalk has held form, all top four seeds getting to the Sweet 16. Gonzaga got done no favors really in this draw, and they've had a ton of football. So if they get to the Final Four in New Orleans, they have absolutely earned it. Absolutely. And again, we said it on this show on the Tuesday when the brackets came out after the Sunday a week ago. And I, and I looked at the West and I went, this is to me by far the most competitive balanced one through 16. And, that and you're you would find. expect that they were going to have the easiest right. because they were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. That's how it's supposed to work. The old S curve deal. That's right. It did not work in Gonzaga's favor, but yeah, I think nine and a half is getting a little rich. You may see 10 here. I would certainly lean to Arkansas in that spot. I have not bet this yet though. Again, as an Arkansas backer. And again, I have Arkansas in the, in the final four. This was the big upset that I liked. I, I have to look at Eric Musselman and say, 
what's the style of play that you want to go with? Because you know what Mark Few is going to do and what Gonzaga is going to do. They don't change. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga is going to go pedal to the metal. They want to get out. They want open air. They want transition. They want to run and flow and, and have a, a good offensive showing. That's what they do, right? Does Musselman try to slow this down or fight fire with fire? Because Arkansas can play both ways. Yeah, I think maybe he's got to try to approach it kind of like Memphis did and kind of like Alabama did where you're getting up and down the floor. You want to get buckets in transition. I don't think Arkansas necessarily wants to play a half-court game with these guys. Right. Gonzaga very efficient really at both ends. But I think Arkansas, look, you want to get in transition, they force some turnovers, get to the rim because, as I mentioned, this team, you know, in the mid-30%, uh, you know, 30-point like five or whatever their percentage is from three, this is not a very good three-point shooting team. So they have got to get easy baskets in transition if they want to hang in this number. Let's look at the second game on tap, and it features another one of the teams that I still have alive in the Final Four. That's Villanova, and I actually have them cutting down the nets. You and I, Wes, talked about it a lot this weekend on our other shows in that this is one of the, well, it might be the best historical free-throw shooting team you're ever going to see in the NCAA tournament. That's how good Villanova is down the stretch. It helped them cover the number against Ohio State uh, to get to this point, to the Sweet 16. Now here comes Michigan. They're not an 11 seed. I, I mean, look. You put the slipper on them if you want as an 11, but when you come from the Big Ten and the Power Five mm-hmm. and you're Michigan, this does not feel like an 11-2 matchup, and I think that's why it's priced accordingly here. What do you make of this matchup? And obviously there's danger here for Villanova, but when you take care of the basketball and as efficient as Villanova can be offensively, I got a side towards the guys from Pennsylvania. Well, and I don't want to discredit Michigan because, look, variance is part of the NCAA tournament. You know, when you see all these shot quality reports that come out after the game and whatnot, if Tennessee hits their open threes, Michigan's sitting at home and it's Tennessee in this. But nevertheless, they didn't, and that's part of the NCAA tournament. So Michigan is here. They do have a matchup they can potentially exploit, though, with Hunter Dickinson because Villanova does not have a true big guy. That's how Jay Wright does it, and that's how he's won a couple national titles. Get three guards in a wing or four guards, kind of like, you know, anywhere from 6'2 to 6'5 or 6'6, and then you got an undersized post guy at like 6'8 or 6'9, and that's how he plays. So Michigan should be able to get some things at the rim, but... I don't know if they're going to be able to shut down Villanova in terms of how Villanova really shoots the ball. And then that's what they did essentially against Ohio State. You look at this team, they're 36% from the three. Number, uh, I think like top 50 in the country. Number one in the country, as you mentioned, foul shooting 82.6%. And you look at how Villanova shot the basketball. Only hit eight threes against Ohio State, but 1.2 points per possession. The one concern I have for Villanova, maybe not so much in this game, but if they get into an Elite Eight game with either Arizona or Houston, Jay Wright only plays seven guys. That's right. And look, most coaches are going to shorten their rotation in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, that's not abnormal for Villanova to do this. But what you kind of saw against Ohio State, even though they had that comfortable lead where it was 8 to 10, kind of near the end, Ohio State did make a run and made mm-hmm. it a one possession game with a few minutes left to play. I wonder if Villanova is getting worn down, though, because these guys play heavy minutes. You look at what they did against Ohio State. Colin Gillespie, 38 minutes. Jermaine Samuels, 38 minutes. Caleb Daniels, 34 minutes. Eric Dixon, 32 minutes. I think he ended up playing eight guys, but two of those guys played like five minutes or less. So, you know, when you're playing that short of rotation, it's enough to get you by for a game. But eventually you are going to wear down. And that's one thing that does kind of concern me a little bit for the Villanova Wildcats here. So uh, 
you know, have not bet this game. I do think probably I might use it in a money line parlay because these lines are so like tight right now. Mm-hmm. You don't really have an edge in terms of the number. Like people are going to say, oh, they're wrong. That number is wrong. Their numbers are not wrong. <laughs> Their numbers are not wrong if they're getting fair market and fair play, you know, on, on both sides, even though they're more than willing to take a position if they got the best of it. But I think Villanova advances, but I think if they get to that elite eight, you know, uh, they they may wear down a little bit against either Arizona or Houston. You know, it's a, a great exercise we do uh, each and every Tuesday here, certainly for college football and the NFL. We do bet now or bet, bet later. I think we kind of alluded to it in the first matchup on Thursday, and that is if you like Arkansas, wait. Because mm-hmm. I think the money's going to come in even more so on Gonzaga. But this one, Wes, feels like it might stay right around that five. Would you advise, depending on the side you like, to wait, or this number really isn't going to change that I think, much? I think it's probably going to stay. It's going to dance. I mean, there'll be some five-and-a-halves like they're on their market, and there'll, there'll be some four-and-a-halves because Michigan is getting respect because they underachieved, I think, this year. They're not your typical no. 11 seed. You know, you see an 11 seed they were top five more at the often of the year. than not. You know, it's a team like well, you know, like Iowa State is right. or, or something like that, which we'll, we'll get to later but I I think because they have the pedigree and look this was a team that got in this position last year and then couldn't hit a shot at all against UCLA in the Elite Eight so Villanova has been here done that so they're such a trusted commodity probably the what I'm going to do is not lay the points I'm going to find them with another favorite and do a little money line parlay yeah I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down there so uh, we'll see if that number stays right around five uh, in the next 48 hours. When we come back, a couple other Thursday games to get to. We'll break those down when you come back with us right here on the Lombardi Line on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer, and that is why it's finger looking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. Looks delicious. Now I'm hungry. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. Wes, let's get back to the matchups coming up on Thursday in the Sweet 16. And this is a heavy hitter. And again, we talk about the West. It's just a murderer's road to me. I thought it was absolutely by far and away the toughest one to navigate. And again, Gonzaga, you would think, boy, we're the overall number one. Make it easy. It's not easy. Texas Tech, guns up. Against Duke, this is a 3-2 matchup. And, I, boy, Duke was on the ropes against Michigan State. Not only did they come back and win, they somehow covered that number. So if you had Sparty backers uh, in that Sweet, sweet 16 matchup, or rather a 32 matchup to get here, you probably thought, how in the world did I lose that? What do you make of the number now? Because it opened Texas Tech a point and a half over on around 136 and a half. And it feels like it's going to be possibly a pick 'em by the time we yeah. get, because it's already down to one, and the total has climbed up just a skosh to 137. Yeah, it's a pick 'em for me because I have no idea yet what I'm doing <laughs> with this game. But people, I think, were a little bit surprised. Texas Tech was a small favorite, and I was not really because look, number one in defensive efficiency in the country. You saw that game against Notre Dame on Man. Sunday night. And look, Notre Dame, I thought, had a really good game plan, you know, kind of packed it in down low, uh, anticipated the shooting variance that we talked about 
talked about with Texas Tech because that first game, it felt like Texas Tech like fired all the bullets, if if you will. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, 97 against Montana State. Well, they came out guns blazing. Yeah, and, and then you're like, okay – they're not going to shoot as well the next time around. I mean, they're not great from three-point shooting. They're only 32.2%. And then you saw what Mike Bray did, kind of packed it in, and that's a team that doesn't that only goes about seven deep, if even that. And they packed it in, let Texas Tech try to chuck from the three. Texas Tech only four of 15, and really didn't shoot that well at the rim, but it was defense, defense, defense for Texas Tech, and that's what got them into this game. Now they're getting Duke, and one of the concerns for Duke I think, and we've talked about it all year, is that ball screen defense. They just, uh, you know, it's still very much a concern. However, Texas Tech is not a team that really utilizes a lot of high ball screen stuff. Uh, You know, a little bit more off the ball motion, which I think Duke can defend a little bit more. And let's not forget about Duke. Duke's got five playmakers on the floor, and they've got five guys that are going to likely be, assuming they all go for early entry into this summer's draft, that are going to be first-round picks. And everybody talks about Paulo, and rightfully so. Paulo's in the mix, I think, to be that number one overall pick. The guy that won them that game, though, against Michigan State was Mark Williams. And I know because he's not a one-and-done, it's like, oh, well, maybe he's not that talented. Mark Williams is going to be a first-round draft pick uh, in this upcoming draft. He was the guy that won won them that game and one thing that I saw out of Duke that I like because that was a very close game look Michigan State was up by five with just a little over five minutes ago mm-hmm. Duke showed some toughness absolutely and I think that that was a big question coming into this tournament based on how they finished the season based on you know getting beat by double digits at home and coach Krzyzewski's last uh, game at Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham and then in the ACC tournament Duke really really didn't look that great especially defensively you look uh you know, uh, barely got by. I won't want to say barely because they won by nine, but they were down for a decent amount of the game against Syracuse, and that was a Syracuse game with nobody behind mm-hmm. due to the suspension. And then against Miami, they never really got away from Miami, only won by four. And then Virginia Tech, uh, I think, took it to them from the get-go, and that was the Virginia Tech team that was playing its fourth game in four days in the final of that ACC tournament in Brooklyn. So you're like, eh, is Duke, you know, uh, they're, they're right for the pickings maybe. And, you know, they kept Fullerton enough at bay even though they didn't cover the game but you saw that they were getting beat with transition threes but I thought that they were much better against Michigan State and they you know toughed and nutted up really in the final five minutes uh, against a Michigan State team that wasn't really giving them an inch defense is still a concern but I'm not sure yet what I am going to do with this game because I have a feeling maybe that could have been a turning point for Duke Wes, right there with you. Here's the thing I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm shopping around and look at these numbers. Duke to win the national championship, you're still seeing some 16 to 1s out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, wait a minute. Pre flop, weren't they 12 to 1? Right. How has this number gone? Well, drifted away, is it just because the West is that tough and Gonzaga is still going to be there well, theoretically in the end? I don't know if it's because, okay, there's the revenge factor for Gonzaga. Because keep in mind, Duke, right here in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena in November, him. did beat Gonzaga 84-81 and what was a very well-played game because Duke, I think, has the talent. You know, Duke can still win games overwhelming you with talent. They've got five-star guys. It's not just Paulo. It's A.J. Griffin. It's Trevor Keels. It's Wendell Moore. It's Mark Williams. So not a particularly deep team, but they've got enough dudes on that team that can, you know, kind of tough out and win a game like they did against Michigan State on Sunday in the second round. So, yeah, I think if you're looking and you're not involved, 
there are probably worse bets than Duke at 14 to one. Now they got to beat two very good teams to do it. You got to beat Texas tech. And then you've of course got to beat Gonzaga, assuming they get by Arkansas. But one of the things that worries me about Texas tech, even though I think they're going to be very tough defensively against Duke, the offense can kind of be a little hit or miss with Texas tech. And that's what Tennessee fell into in the second round against Michigan. No doubt. Really great defense. But there's times you're just not hitting shots. And, you know, he runs that no-middle defense and, you know, generates a, a lot of, you know, chaos and whatnot. But it can be susceptible. You will get open looks from the three against Texas Tech. Now, you got to be able to knock them down. And, you know, that's what, that's what Duke's going to have to do. Duke's a pretty good three-point shooting team, by mm -hmm. the way, 37% from the floor. And I think that they did knock down enough shots, only 5 of 13. So maybe you're going to get even positive regression in the next game. So I may be talking myself in the Duke, but I have no bet at this time. All right, so let's look at the other game here. And again, when you look at the favorites here to, to win the national championship, Gonzaga's number hasn't come down a whole lot. About uh, plus two, over $2 you can get in the market. Uh, Kansas is the second favorite. Arizona's the third favorite still. But they got to get through Houston. And the interesting thing here is when you look at Houston at 9-1, to one, okay, and you see Arizona there 5-1, to one, and we know that the, the numbers guys love the Houston Cougars. Do you love them in this spot? Because, look, Arizona, that game against TCU, you know, my heart still goes out to those TCU kids, thought they might have had that, didn't. And now Arizona's going to go up against another team that just went to the Final Four a year ago in Houston. What do you make of this matchup? Arizona opened around two. I've seen a little bit of the money come in so far in Houston. Some spots down about one and a half. Yeah, the numbers guys like them uh, a lot more, I think, than I do necessarily in this spot because I some of some of the uh, the metrics guys, the Bartorvics and Ken Baum and some of these other guys, Eric Haslam, actually make Houston that they are going to win this game. Like they should be the favorite. So that's why I think, and it was no surprise and I said this with Gil Alexander yesterday on a numbers game the number was two two and a half I was like this is going to come down because there are going to be people that bet Houston because look there are betters that kind of look and see what they saw last and see okay maybe this is weakness for Arizona because look Arizona could have been sitting at home no doubt and if the referees blow that whistle on that last play at half court and call that foul Arizona's likely out, and it's likely TCU against Houston in a battle of old Southwest Conference rivals. But, you know, Benedict Maturin, who was awesome in that game against Tennessee, uh, you know, or against TCU, rather, is, is a nightmare for defenses. Uh, the front court is very athletic. Uh, Tubelas was a no-show against TCU. And look, uh, even Christian Coloco got tested mm -hmm. uh, uh, by the big man, Eddie Lampkin, one of my favorite guys from TCU, by the way. I'm like, I don't want him shooting my foul shots, but I will take him in a fight. My goodness. I mean, he had big, uh, somebody sent a meme out that I retweeted. He had big Marcus Johnson energy, if you remember in White Man Can't Jump. Or oh, like, yeah. I'm going to get you all you you-know-whats, <laughs> you know, and he just went crazy. Crazy in one of those pickup tournaments, but I, I do like Arizona in this spot. I'm going to buy a little bit on weakness with a very tepid favorite now at minus one and a half. I think the numbers, guys, I think Houston's very good, and I think Kelvin Sampson's done an excellent mm -hmm. job, and he's always very good defensively. They stifle you with ball pressure, and maybe they can get some takeaways against Arizona. I am a little concerned about Kirk Creesa, who did play against TCU and kept chucking them up but wasn't making very many. Nope. It was like, it's like you're costing your team, man. Maybe they need to sit this guy. But they do have, uh, you know, but they do have defensive concerns around the perimeter. However, I don't think that's how Arizona is going to win this game. Houston 
if they get to a track meet, actually maybe they can compete, but they're, they get stuck in the mud a little bit in half court. So if Arizona can kind of uh, slow them down a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe press a little bit in the back court and press to kind of slow the game down. And that's what I want to see if Tommy Lloyd in Arizona wants to do. You're not pressing like you're trying to generate turnovers necessarily. Even if they'll get them, you got to capitalize on them. You're basically wanting to slow a team down a little bit. And then Houston gets across the 10 second line. It's like, okay, all of a sudden we got like 18 seconds to, you know, get into our offense instead of like 23 to 24 seconds. So, you know, I, I, I do like Arizona here in this spot. I'm going to be willing to buy it on weakness here. I know they should probably be out and got lucky to get through TCU, but get your scare, the sense of urgency out of comes the way. out in the next round. And I think Houston's still a little bit overvalued by the metrics guys because keep in mind, they beat up on some softer competition in that American Athletic Conference. I know they're the known commodity being in the Final Four last year, but I like Arizona to advance. All right, when we come back, Will Hill is going to join us as well, get his thoughts on NCAA tournament as we get down to the Sweet 16. And also, you know Sergio? Yeah, they're talking about a WGC match play this weekend in golf. Come on back to the Lombardi line right here on the Sports Betting Network. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Bet on more than just the final score with One Game Parlay at BetMGM. The One Game Parlay is designed to help make you with your selections within a single game from over 400 bet types, including team and player props. Log into your BetMGM account and start and create your best parlay before the game ever starts. New to BetMGM, we'll sign up today and make your first bet 
bet risk-free up to $1,000 with the bonus code VEASAN1000. Plus, you're going to earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses and, or converted into comps for rooms and restaurants at more than over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. Try one-game parlay today. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non withdrawable free bet source right credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. One game parlay not available in Washington, D.C. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. We always love having our VEASAN contributor and the king of New York. He is Will Hill, and he joins us each and every Tuesday. Will, great, great to have you back on this Tuesday. Wes and I were just discussing Thursday's games, and I want to get back to Arkansas and Gonzaga to begin this conversation because we were just having the conversation in the break as well. When you look at the bigs at Gonzaga, that can be a big problem for Arkansas. But if you look at, say, Note and you look at the guard play of Arkansas, they might have an advantage there. How do you handicap this game in the Sweet 16? Yeah, I just think the line is a little high here. This is a Gonzaga team. They really struggled to guard. I think Memphis really could have beaten them. You know, a call here or there. I thought Memphis really got an unfortunate whistle Saturday night in what was a high-level second-round game. I mean, that was a a second-round game that basically had, you know, Sweet 16, Elite 8 caliber players on the floor. Um, I just think this this line is a little high here. I think you can expose Gonzaga off the dribble. I think the quickness of Arkansas will give Gonzaga a little bit of trouble. I just think, you know, I I think up to nine in a lot of places. I think the nine is a little high here uh, for a Gonzaga team that struggles to defend. So I took the points here uh, with the Razorbacks. Yeah, I'm with you, Will, and I think maybe we're going to see 10 here because it was 8.5, now starting to see a couple 9.5. So uh, I don't know if it's, okay, Gonzaga got their scare against Memphis, and now they come out, uh, you know, super focused and show the urgency. Arkansas got a scare, too, in their own right, mm-hmm. guys, against New Mexico State. So I think that, you know, it seems like Gonzaga's maybe getting credit that they're going to rebound and Arkansas is not. I mean, they were in that, you know, really tight game with New Mexico State, like you were calling it a rock fight. It absolutely was. So I am with Will on the Arkansas Razorbacks here. But, Will, sticking in that regional, uh, the other side, I don't know if you have a play on this yet because I certainly don't, so I want to get your opinion. That's what I'm going to do is gauge opinion. Texas Tech and Duke. Texas Tech opens favorite. They still are the favorite. One, one and a half in the market. I don't know what to do with this game because <laughs> I can make cases for both sides. I was impressed with what Duke did against Michigan State. When they were down, had adversity, they toughed it out there at the end. Well, I was all ready to grab Texas Tech plus a couple points. I thought it would be plus two, plus two and a half coin flip game. Give me the points. But the bookmakers, this line kind of surprised me. Now you're laying a point with Texas Tech. I don't love that. Obviously, you know, defensive efficiency that I think they're the best team in the country. Uh, but again, Duke has a lot of skill on offense. And I think Duke, you know, they've struggled on defense too, similar to Gonzaga. I think their defense gets a little bit of a bump here with the stakes of the game. You know, figure Sweet 16, uh, a chance to go to the Elite Eight, a little more focus, a little more intensity on defense, which could be the difference. Because if you're just picking sides here, Duke's got the better players. Even though Texas Tech maybe coached a little bit better plays a little better defense a lot better defense uh not a game i bet not a game i'm dying to bet uh you know kind of threw me up for a loop here that texas tech is laying a point would actually lean towards the dukies but again not a game i'm uh, i'm rushing up to bet and here's what you always worry about uh, in these duke games now and especially this year being mike krzyzewski's farewell tour 
I always say Duke gets calls on the road. They do. Very few teams yeah. get that uh, benefit of the doubt, but Duke does, and you always kind of wonder, okay, and you don't want to be conspiracy theorists here. You don't want to be <laughs> Alex Jones or something like that, <laughs> but you worry that if you're betting, I think, on or against Duke, it's like, okay, they're going to get a call. They they want this story to continue. I know our own Mitch Moss on Twitter is like, admit it, even if you're a Duke-hater, you didn't want K to get bounced this early. No. You wanted it in the second weekend because you want that storyline and, you know, you want to see it maybe later on, Sweet 16, Elite 8, or potentially Final Four. So that's what always makes me nervous when you're betting against Duke in the NCAA tournament. I'm kind of with you guys on this one. I, I, I probably would have grabbed the points with Texas Tech, but because it is where it is, it does make you kind of pause a little bit before laying points with Texas Tech against Duke. I'll be very curious. It feels like that might get to a pick before we get to tip off on Thursday. Let's talk about Houston against Arizona here, Will, because – it's a fascinating matchup for many different reasons. And, again, talking about scares, and everybody gets a scare in the NCAA tournament uh, along the way. I mean, clearly, Arizona, whether it was a foul or not, that's debatable at midcourt against TCU, but they do survive in overtime. And now they get Houston. And, again, this is a team that almost feels like as a five seed might have been slighted coming into the tournament. And, Will, I don't think anybody's slighting them now. But what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I mean, poor UAB has got to look up and say, wait a second, we're a 12 seed here and we got to play Houston as a five. I mean, Houston, uh, they've been in metric starling all year, which I can understand to some extent, but I, I like Arizona here. I think this line is cheap. I, I got them on the money line. Um, I just think, look, when, when you're Arizona and you get your scare, I always think, uh, like Wes mentioned, you come out the next game with a little more focus, kind of a second life. You know, we've all seen plenty of champions mm-hmm. in this tournament have their scare at some point, whether it's, you know, I think it was Tyus Eddie UCLA 20 something years ago. 95. Uh, it happens. It happens. Very rarely you go through this tournament and just, you know, have a clean game night after night. I just think Houston doesn't play the level of competition Arizona does. It's one thing, you know, you can bully SMU on the glass. You can bully Tulane and Cincinnati. You're not going to bully Arizona. Arizona's got a lot of athletes, uh, a lot of players there on that Wildcat team. I think this line's a little cheap. I expect Arizona to march on. Yeah, I think Arizona, they're going to have to beat that challenge because uh, we were talking about the big fella who warmed my heart on Sunday night, Eddie Lampkin <laughs> for TCU. He was going right at Coloco and all the big guys. Tubelis was a no-show. I think they're going to challenge those big guys to be a lot better in this game. Will said everything that I agree with here. I like Arizona. So, Will, let's uh, stick in the other matchup and just close out that region mm-hmm. here in San Antonio. We have Michigan and Villanova. Uh, four and a half minus a dollar fifteen at BetMGM right now, but pretty much five painted in the market, and that's pretty much where it's been since the opener. Look, Michigan, not your average eleven seed here, but they're going against arguably the best program culture in America, and Villanova and Jay Wright. They're just mis- they're just consistent all over the place. What do you make, Wolverines, Wildcats? Passed on this one. If it gets to five and a half, and if it ever got to six, I would probably jump in on Michigan. Uh, But again, Michigan still has some issues on defense that haven't really been exposed yet. Tennessee, I thought, missed a million wide open shots Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Nova is a better team. You expect Nova to shoot the ball, shoot the ball a little better uh, than Tennessee did. So uh, nothing for me on this game. If it got to five and a half, definitely got to six. I'd probably jump in on Michigan at five is kind of around where I make it. So at five for me, it's a it's a pass. Any higher, I I might jump in on Michigan. Do you guys have any play on this game? I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards Villanova if it stays five or less. 
fast, but to that point, once it gets over five, I'm going to be out on this. I might play Villanova money line here because yeah. I just think down the stretch, well, the way they shoot free throws, if they have a lead, they're going to hold on to the lead. This isn't going to be yeah. – this is the team you can't come back on the way they shoot it as good as they do it from the free throw line. Hey, we've got a couple minutes to go. Gentlemen, in two weeks we'll be giving our Masters picks, and I can't wait for that. But we've got the WGC match play this week. And, Will, I wonder if you have a lean here because, again, for those that don't really know how this works out, I mean, this is, this is mono e mono. This is the, kind of their bracket format that they try to do to emulate March Madness. What do you make of it, and who do you like? Yeah, I took a little at Sergio Garcia, 40 to one. He's got a lot of experience in this tournament, in this format, which you mentioned is a little unusual. Uh, you know, he's played well in this format and you know, look, he, he's made five or six cuts this year. He's got a top 10 finish. Uh, 40 to one is something that interests me for Garcia. Haven't filled out, filled out my full card yet. I, maybe I'll add a couple guys here, there. Obviously I'll check out long shots, see what Wes and, uh, and Dave mm-hmm. think Matt humans. I'll kind of like Wes said, gauge opinions, but uh, Sergio's one. I already took a little piece of it. 40 to one. Well, uh, to support Will's case on Sergio, one of the more experienced match players, obviously in this field, being one of the older players, uh, 41 career matches in singles play. If you look at the WGC Ryder cup, uh, a lot of the old European, tour match play events. Only Ian Poulter has more career singles match play wins in this field than Sergio Garcia, who, by the way, 12-7-1 on this golf course at the uh, Pete Dye Austin Country Club. And where does Sergio Garcia now make his residence? Right there in Austin, Texas. Well, see, it's very interesting and very quickly, gentlemen, because when you mention a name like Ian Poulter in match play, you want killers, right, Will? You want guys that kind of stare you down and say, all right, I might not be the best for four days, but today I'm better than you. And sometimes it takes a little bit of that golf arrogance to come out. And I think Sergio has a little bit of that and that people don't really – they look at him as a mild-mannered Spaniard, Spaniard, right? He runs hot. So I kind of like that pick as well, that in those mono-e-mono situations, those are the guys you want to back in a match play format right well no doubt and uh, my boy burns isn't playing this week so i can't bet him uh the one week i didn't pick him was last week I, he was playing well on thursday so i jumped in a little nine to one so i was having a little uh fear of missing out but uh my boy burns finally came through last week tried to give it away but he couldn't he needs a break he's been playing a lot of golf so he'll rest up before we get to augusta all right great stuff as always again follow him at not the will hill on twitter the king of new york see you guys will hill all right when we come back we're going to talk about the uh, friday matchups in march madness next right here in the lombardi line on these and these sports betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.